Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> Recorded live. Hi, Jazzy. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hey, it's Gina. That's my that's my entrance song. You guys like it? Hi. Lola's here. Hi guys. Hang on, let me get a pen real quick so I can take note of who's here. How's everyone doing? Good. How are you feeling? Oh, feeling good. I'm feeling big and good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's starting to catch up to me, but things are great. So, um, awesome. Well, who, who's on the call right now? Um, hi, Lola is here. Hey, Lola. Lola. Hi. 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 Um, Heidi here. Molly. Oh, Molly too. Heidi and Molly. Heidi and <laughs> Molly. And Maggie. Maggie, did I hear Laura back there? Yeah, Laura here too. Hi, Laura. Hello. I'm Susie. Hey, Susie. Hi. <laughs> Quick, come in. I'll put the command on right now. Hello. 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 Hi, Hi, Sarah. Hello. Hey, Sarah. Hi. Hi, Hi this is Wendy. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Wendy. Hey, Wendy. Hey, who's, who's there? <laughs> hey, everybody. Oh, wow. A few of us, yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hi. Hi, Janine. Hey, Hello. Janine. Hello. Hi, Janine. Hi. Hi. <laughs> This is so weird. It's so weird. weird. (laughs) It's very strange. The first few times. All the giggles. There's so so many voices Mm -hmm. here. A lot. How's Uh, everyone's New Year's? Great. Jackie, did I hear that you were on? Yes, I'm here. I'm using a headset, so I was like, I don't know if my microphone is working, but I'm glad it's actually like hooked up, so good. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. And I'm going to give a quick shout-out to Elishama. Are you on? Yes, I'm here. Yeah. Hi. Hi, guys. Hey, Elishama. Hello. Hello. Hey. And Gabby, are you on? Not yet. No, Gabby. No, Gabby. Not yet. Okay. I'm I'm picturing everybody on the couch right now. Me too. Me, Me too. too. <laughs> <laughs> I am too. That's so funny. I'm going around the circle in my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, they're just, yeah, I guess it's just Gabby we're waiting on. 
Um, I don't know. Becky, are you on the call? I didn't know if she was going to join in. I didn't think so. Okay. I didn't think she said she was going to today. Yeah, I didn't think so. I've been talking to her, and I just it never came up. So, um, I'm sorry if you guys can hear my, my whiny little dog in the background. She just wants to go outside. So, um, Your dog? I will, yes, I will mute as much as I can because she gets a little noisy. But... <laughs> Um, awesome. So thank you guys so much for being so prompt with the time. That was awesome. Yay. Yeah, I'm glad that no one had any issues signing in to talk to you for the first time. So this is the number and the code that we're going to have every call. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pin this, um, those last posts I did at the top just so you guys have it. And um, just a little bit about TalkShoe. Um, it's star four is how you can mute the phone. Or if you have an iPhone or any, any phone that you know where your mute button is, that will work too. And if you want to unmute, if you use star four, you just hit star four again. Um, and we usually mute if there is background noise and mm-hmm. anything like that just to make it more respectful for people. It's a lot of people on one call, so it's really easy for the background noise to happen. Um, but it sounds like so far right now it's pretty clear. Uh, so that's about it about TalkShoe and how to call in. And any questions before we dive in? Nope. No. Oh. Awesome. So um, as you guys know, there's 12 of us, so 13 including myself, on the call. And oh, yeah, Gabby we Oh, well, there will be 13 when Gabby joins. Gabby, are you there? No? Okay. I'll keep an eye out for her. <laughs> I'll message her now. We'll, we'll uh, save her a seat on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so just... I want you guys just to be mindful because we only have an hour together on the phone and just be mindful of the time. And I just so everybody has some, uh, you know, a nice amount of, you know, a few minutes to share. I want to make sure we all have that space. So um, an hour goes really quickly and um, it's easy to just kind of chitter chatter. So just want you guys mm-hmm. to be mindful of that. If I kind of ring it in, it's not because we want to, you know, we don't want to hear your stories because I want to make sure everybody has the time to share. Um, and this call is a pretty chatty call because it's really just an open conversation about the book Mothering the New Mother. So I'm assuming that everybody has got has got bought the book and read it in full. And so today I just really want to talk about um, what you guys thought about the book, if you liked it or not, and if there was anything in there that resonated with you or anything in there that you would apply to your practice. Uh, it's a really amazing book. It's kind of an old book. Um, I will say it feels a little outdated in terms of their resources, but it's still the best that we have in terms of um, what what content is there. So, yeah. Um, does anybody want to start? I'll start. It's Lola. Oh, Thanks, okay. Lola. And, and thank you for that reminder. Make sure you guys state your name. The first few calls can, while we learn each other's voices over the phone, <laughs> it will just be helpful. Um, so I finished the book just today. 
Um, And towards the end, I sort of was skimming. Um, I found it kind of hard to get through because it just Mm -hmm. seemed so, like, textbooky almost. Um, Mm -hmm. But I really, really love the stuff, like, towards the beginning. I think it was, like, the root section about how different Mm -hmm. cultures around the world look at birth. Um, And I just thought that was amazing how so many other places have such like a community centered way of looking at birth. And it's all about like, you know, giving as much support to the mother and the new family and like the whole village comes together. And it was just like the same thing over and over. And it made me sort of sad that like our society isn't really there yet, but also excited to be like in the turn of that maybe hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I had my first client and I'm like in the postpartum part of everything now with her. And so it's been really great to kind of read the book along with the stuff that I'm talking to her about, like Mm -hmm. the breastfeeding section. um, And I loved all the stuff about doulas. She was a big uh, Mm -hmm. rep for doulas. That was cool. So, yeah, overall, I feel like it is a little dated for me. Um, I I had read some of the other books before, and they were, like, easy to read. But for me, it was kind of, like, a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely, and, and especially for all you guys who are in the New York area, um, it's the resources in the back are comical at this point because <laughs> a lot of the resources don't even exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, so that part feels a little hard. But there are some sweet nuggets, especially that cultural piece. Um, and mm-hmm. it is pretty eye-opening. Um, I think mm-hmm. that section alone would be an amazing thing to share with a client because uh, it really mm. puts it into a different perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is Molly. I was hi. I was going to say pretty much what Lola said that I was like highlighting or underlining so many things in the first few sections and like. I love the idea of creating new rituals or, like, updated rituals for people in their postpartum. Um, All of the sections, like, middle towards the end where it's um, just, like, so many mothers speaking about their experiences, I got a little bored because I just felt like it was so common. Like, just it was common sense kind of stuff that we all experience, and I felt like I was reading the same things over and over, and also the Mm -hmm. language is a little outdated. It was, like, mm-hmm. not in the way that, um, like, spiritual midwifery or, or, like, other anime Gaskin books are where, like, you're laughing at the language, but this was almost there. It was, like, starting mm-hmm. to feel really dated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's I'm, not timeless. <laughs> but it was, it was dense. There was a lot of good information there. I also finished it today and feel exhausted by it. But I'm mm-hmm. grateful for the first couple of sections. Well, that's good to hear. Um, are you are you finished, Molly? I don't want to. Sure, go ahead. This is this is Susie. Hey, Susie. Hi. I um I think I can echo most of what people said about this the feeling that it's kind of outdated. Um, mm-hmm. 
um, and a little bit repetitive. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I underlined some things that I thought that I could really take away from it and just certain sentences that really stood out for me. And uh, one of them was that ordinary people have inherent knowledge about issues that affect their life. Mm. <laughs> and it seems like an obvious thing, but it's not, especially for women who are pregnant and just like are not very in touch with themselves. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't very in touch with myself um, and definitely not confident with myself. Mm-hmm. Um and I love the idea of matricence, but just that term, I think, is so great. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely something that we can impart to our clients, that it's, it's, uh, it's a period of your life, and it's a transition, and it's something very unique yeah. um, and not, not talked about at mm-hmm. all as, as that. Um, and I, the, the cultural part about you know, how different cultures experience that time. I think it's really great that all a lot of cultures around the world have the 40-day period. And that was really mm-hmm. shocking to me that that was like something around the world that people agreed on, that like 40 days is the time that people need. And that's definitely something we can take to our clients and be like, I know mm-hmm. that you're supposed to be back to work in two weeks, but just remember that like this, time period is something that people agree on around the world is an acceptable and normal time to take to to recover Mm -hmm. um, and take as a transition period. Um, I'm turning the light on again. um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Oh, yeah. And the big, big thing, which I have already, I have a couple of friends who are pregnant now. And a big thing that I've told them is that it's really important to set up your postpartum network now mm-hmm. and to just start calling people and saying like, hey, I'm going to need you. Mm-hmm. I'm really going to need help. And I really wish somebody had told me that because you just don't have confidence to do that kind of thing when you're with a baby and you feel like it's not normal to ask people for help. And I just think it's such a great thing to just set that up before it all happens and just have people ready and people love to do it. So I think that was maybe the biggest thing I took away from the book. Yeah. I love that. Oh, I'm sorry. Who who was that? That was Susie. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I saw Susie. I thought someone said something after you. Oh, Okay. (laughs) This is Maggie. Um, yeah, I uh, have a lot of similar thoughts to, to what you all have said so far, um, but it was also very enlightening as somebody who's not a mom to really kind of go through each aspect of how it can change someone's life. And I felt like I agreed that some of the stories got repetitive, but also it really helped it to like sink in for me where like by the end of the book, I was like, Oh my gosh, like how can we treat mom like this? This is crazy. And also I realized like how like horribly unhelpful I've been during every visit to every baby that I've ever met. Um, but like how everyone, you know, like you just don't really know. And I think no, you don't. a hard time reaching out and asking help and for help and, as a visitor without a child, you just are like, here's another cute outfit, and now I'm sitting on your couch. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, I really, I like, there was so much that I was like, okay, like, 
I can do this. I can do much better than than I have. Um, and I was also like, in terms of the book being a bit dated, one thing that I wanted to ask people who are moms um, is whether or not you guys think that things like social media and Facebook and like blogs help decrease the sense of isolation you have as a new mom. I mean, just being on the DTI like Facebook pages, um, I'm like, whoa, like there's so much information coming from different people and people are ready to jump in and be supportive and I know nothing can necessarily take the place of someone coming to your home and watching your baby while you nap or giving you a meal and like mm-hmm. that physical connection is still like far superior to I think a digital connection but I wonder if it is at least a little something better than just sitting at home and not knowing even where to start in terms of reaching out for support. This is mm. Molly again, and I'll say that I it feels like a lifeline to have those connections, those, like, social media connections, and they can be a really, like, welcome distraction. But also it's, like, a really lonely experience. After a little mm-hmm. while, you realize it's not filling the void that you needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have that problem with social media, like, even now. Like, now as the mother of a four-year-old and also, like, as a new doula, I am, like really leaning on social social media to like educate me and keep me connected but it's not real it's just like a nice distraction mm. yeah this is Laura and I, I feel like it almost creates another layer of like a problem in our society because we feel like we have the access to all this information and we must be able to figure it out ourselves like just hearing someone else's experience or reading uh, you know, normal experiences or kind of normalizing it, like that that should be enough, but it misses the entire emotional connection piece and like the personal um, presence, just feeling that personal presence. And I feel like that probably amplifies a lot of like our emotional needs and like struggle uh, in the postpartum period. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of wondering, like, how we combat that. You know, like, how pe- people feel like they can, new moms in our society, they feel like they can just access all of these resources on their own. And obviously you want them to be able to do that. But at the same time, they, like, I feel like it's hard to kind of get across the point. But you might need more, and that's okay. And this is how mm-hmm. you can help with that. Like, I don't know, just the education. Like, going back to, like, the old ways and cultures and how we really – get across that like that there's a lot of benefit to how that was done and how those societies supported each other and those cultures really rallied around each other and gave space that there's not that space anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is Susie. I, I didn't feel any comfort from social media when I was alone with my kids. I'm just not, I'm not like a, yeah, I'm not really in tune to social media that much, a little bit, but like, um, I don't know, it's like people are not so honest on social media, so it's hard mm-hmm. to make that connection, an honest connection with somebody. So I really, I really needed physical support, not, not so much uh, anything I could get off of Facebook. Um, this is Janine. You guys hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, for me, uh, the social media uh, was my lifeline. 
especially being in um, a new area. But um, it also helps me um, find the connections as well. You know what I mean? Like what you were just saying that you couldn't, you needed like physical connection. The internet helped me find that physical connection. Mm. Sort of like a starting point, almost like to get resources yeah, and then yeah. take it out into the real physical world where you're yeah. actually talking to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is Sarah. Uh, I feel like with social media, though, you also feel judged if you're having a hard time doing something and you see, you know, somebody, your friend in the same situation and how easy breastfeeding came to them or, um, you know, I it's, also, it's a helpful tool, but I feel like you can. It could also make you feel worse about yourself. If that makes sense. Yes, mm-hmm. it does. Yes, absolutely. I feel like we're in this really sticky place with the social media, where it can go good or bad for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely agree with that, Sarah. It's, all the points that you guys have been making, I really agree with. But definitely feeling judged and kind of like that idea of the Pinterest perfect mama um, definitely exists out there and really hard for some people to wrap their brain around. Um, I think that what it misses is that intimate one-on-one connection in the sense of a village. I think some people do feel that with the social media groups. I mean, we certainly create that for our doula community um, where we all meet on Facebook groups and collaborate and connect, and we feel really supported by each other. So I think there's a lot of goodness out there. I just think that some people might not be, it might not be for them. And I think it also, like some people think it takes the place of going to classes and support groups and um, feeling that one-on-one connection in person. And it certainly shouldn't. I think for some people, they need to get outside and do that sort of thing. All right. Heidi here. Hey, Heidi. What I've been doing for my my clients is that I give them a couple of resources, um, and that includes a little bit of everything. So I usually find the local Facebook group um, for new parents and then just a general group. And then I find on the local La Leche League um, support group, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much free, just, uh, yeah, donation-based. And, you know, you can get to meet other moms that are going through what you're going through and feel normal about all the craziness and, you know, that's going on with, while you transition with a newborn at home. I also look for the local Baby One International meeting, uh, if they're into that. And then I just created a group for my clients. I know it's a lot of groups and a lot of social media, but I feel like if they're managed correctly, they can be very helpful. Um, and I had a lot of my clients ask me if I if I could create a group for that purpose of having since my clients connect. Since I I have like toddlers and newborns, they are already they can kind of like I guess share resources and talk to one another about their experiences. And and that's been helpful, you know. It's been just a couple of days, but it's been good. Um, so I hope it continues to be like that. I just think that it's good to give all the options mm-hmm. and just kind of let them choose what works best for them, you know. Mhm. Absolutely. 
it's so funny. I did I did a, another call about this book um, two days ago, and the exact thing happened where we took this like tangent on social media. <laughs> 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 it's so interesting how that happens. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's just it's very much become our village on the computer. So. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little um, rock and a hard place, but it, you know, it, it's a good and a bad thing. Right. And so. I, I think it's there, and I, and I'm sure that, like you were saying, Sarah, like a number of moms are looking at these perfect images, and I guess probably as dual as it's good to be aware of how is that playing into their emotional well-being? Is it helping it or mm-hmm. not? So. Absolutely. And what are they seeing? Like, what kind of groups are they on as well? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a big, that's a big part of it, you know, and um, there's a lot out there. And this could be, you know, relevant to our world as well in the birth community where there are some Facebook groups that are negatively charged and, you know, might not be so easy to see every day, might not be so inspiring. And so it's really like, are these groups serving women or mothers and parents or, or are they, you know, just making it a little harder for them? Yeah. This is definitely not talked about in Mother and the New Mother since it was like 20 years ago. <laughs> 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 uh, but back to the book, <laughs> who else wants to share some thoughts about it? I'll say something. It's me, Wendy. Hey, Wendy. <laughs> hey. Uh, so it's easy for me to get lost as a doula to just be surrounded by women who, you know, are pregnant, who have recently given birth, and you know, go through this normal, you know, this cycle that I'm just so familiar with, you know. And then, you know, there were some topics in the book that caught my eye about adoption. And that women who adopt or parents who adopt, they actually experience their own postpartum, you know, cycle themselves. And I'm like, I never thought about that part. And it intrigued me. And I was like, mm-hmm. what support system do they have and how does that look like? And if we, if they were to have a postpartum doula, how am I able to help them out if it's not like a really a newborn but, a, you know, a more of an older adopted child what would the mother be feeling? I'm sure it probably might be a little bit similar to a mom who just given birth without all the physical recovery. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have so much that I need to learn and grow as a doula to kind of like cover all aspects of like doulaing. Mm-hmm. And it just made me feel like, like, oh my gosh, like I, I, I didn't, I didn't think about that part, you know? I really didn't. And I'm sure there are mothers out here, especially in New York, who have, you know, either adopted or just foster care child and they experience some type of, like, you know, postpartum mood uh, disorder or some type of stress or need to have, like, some sort of mommy group. And how does that look like to, like, other moms who biologically have given birth and, you know, I don't want them to feel judged or looked at differently because they didn't have gone through the same process as a birth mom would have gone through. So that really made me think about, well, how many support groups are there for, like, adoptive parents or, like, foster care, you know, guardian people? 
the yeah, that's the one thing that really caught my eyes about. Mhm. Yeah, those are good points, Wendy. And I would, you know, there's definitely some people I would not share this book with. Um, you know, just same-sex couples. Um, they de- it's not really talked about at all in this book. Mm. And it's not very gender neutral, so it's something to think about as well. Um, I love that they talk about the adoption stuff. And I feel like it's very heavy, but obviously um, centered on the birthing individual, which makes total sense for the postpartum time. Uh, but I think nowadays there's more talk and focus on the partner as well. Did anybody feel like that was kind of left out a little bit or did they have any thoughts about that? Well, I mean, I think that the book was about the mother, so mm-hmm. I think that's appropriate that they focused on the mother or right. the birthing individual. Yeah, I feel like it's not, like, especially nowadays where everybody's trying to change the language on the books, on the website, and everywhere, you know. I mean, this is an old book. I don't even know the date it was published, but um, I guess it's just one version, right? I was, I was looking at that to see. This is, like, I have the second edition. Um, is that the newest one? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, I feel like, you know, the language could be more inclusive and respectful of things, but I guess it is what it is. It's just getting there. Oh. Mm-hmm. What else? What other thoughts do you guys have? I have, oh, this is Molly again, sorry. Um, the thought that I have, it's really a question is why is it so hard to start planning for the postpartum when you're pregnant? Like, why can you just not think <laughs> past your delivery? Mm, that's a good I question. I, I have a theory, but <laughs> I don't know if it's true. I, I think, um, well, from my own personal experience, I feel like I think, like, it's not real yet. Like, yes, at first, when I was pregnant, I didn't, I can't believe, like, I still have a baby inside of me and then the fact that I had to push out a human being out of my vagina is just like <laughs> I couldn't like imagine that at all because obviously I've never been through it and so I never really thought about postpartum how my body would look like how would I feel like I guess mm-hmm. it wasn't realistic for me especially as a new mom until I actually went through it it seems like not only do you not really think of it but when people try to warn you or give you advice you just do not want to hear it and you think it won't happen to you that way yeah, I think so too. It's like, no, but I got help. I got my mom. I got my sister. Whatever. I'm okay. I'm good. And yet, when they go through it, because I had my mom and my sister living with me at the time, and I, it, I was still like on my own, and I still suffer mm-hmm. postpartum depression of myself, and it was tough. So yeah. Realistically, yeah. I think we're all a little bit blinded. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's a little yeah. bit of. Uh, like mother nature playing a role here and I think it's kind of impossible for our bodies and minds and hearts to think about the postpartum time especially I'm mainly talking about first time moms I would say 
because there's this really big thing that you have to get past. And it's, you know, getting the baby out of the body. It's like, that seems really big, especially to someone who's never done it before. And there's a lot of attention put on it. You know, you're going to these prenatal visits, and that's all you're talking about is what that's going to look like. And Mm -hmm. not a lot of people bring that up and bring up the postpartum time. And I just feel like, especially as a first-time mom, you're like, oh, I'm just, I'm going to be that person who brings your baby to a restaurant or, like, I'm not going to let the baby control my schedule and I'm going to work from home with my baby. And you have all these ideas because that's the person you are. You haven't shifted and morphed into the mother version of yourself. You know, it's like, they, mm-hmm. they, there's that saying that it's like when a baby's born, a mother is born. And I really feel like that. Like you can't think about that life until that person is born. Right. So I, I, and that's, that's just my theory. Um, I see it more with second time moms. Um, and I'm in that process now where like people are like all ask, ask me so much about like my birth and what it's going to look like and where I'm going to do it. And I'm just like, I answer the questions and I'm like, the baby will come out either way. And then I have to worry about integrating a baby into the family with a Mm four-year-old. And, you know, it's like my, my focus is um, very much in the postpartum time because I know that that's the forever time, you know, the birth Mm -hmm. is a blink of an eye. And um, Mm -hmm. with that said, I have all these ideas of what my, my life is going to look like after I have this baby. And I'm sure it's all going to blow up in my face. (laughs) So (laughs) I, I think that you can only think so much about the postpartum time until the new mother is born and until you meet the baby to see what kind of baby it is. That has a huge Mm -hmm. role in it. Um, and also the support system. And I think that's why it's so important for labor doulas, um, and, you know, especially in my second prenatal visit, I talk about the postpartum time. Like, what is their plan? When is, when is anyone going back to work? And, you know, what, what do they want to do about feeding the baby? Like, what expectations do they have? Do they have family in the area? And you start to break down all these things, and not so they have to come up with the plan, but just so it starts to, like, peak that, those questions like you know just like all of a sudden they're like oh I have to start thinking about this stuff so I you know I think I think again it's like as labor doulas we start planting the seeds and then postpartum doulas we're kind of like helping them grow as we're there Mm -hmm. helping them survive the days but also come up with a plan so when we step out we feel like they're supported Yeah, I. When, I, when we took anxiety here, when we took the training, I mentioned how I didn't like postpartum work, right? Um, and then, well, mm-hmm. we spoke about it, and I realized that it was not so much being, you know, a professional chef and and a cleaning lady and all these things, you know, not doing deep cleaning and all of that. And so I gave it a go, especially with one of my birth clients that was talking like packages that I didn't even mm-hmm. offer then. <laughs> so the lady that I was waiting for while we did the training, ended up giving birth um, two days after the training, and I'm still working with her postpartum, and I'm loving it. It's so much Mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. And she's telling me how she's going to write a blog about the you know, the importance of having a postpartum doula, and she's already given my info to two of her friends. 
um, you know, just for postpartum support. And it's just so rewarding to see the difference that somebody can make for mm-hmm. these mothers. And, you know, most of the time I'm just holding the baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, like, I'm not even doing much. It's, but for her, it just makes a huge difference to have me there for, you know, she releases her emotions. She's able to do her laundry. She doesn't even want help doing the laundry. She wants to do the laundry because she feels normal when she's doing the laundry. Mm-hmm. She feels normal when she's talking to me about whatever she wants to talk about because she just feels normal having a grown-up conversation with an adult. All these little things that that are so important and, but are so overlooked because they were just normal before. Um, yeah. Right now, and and then a lot of the people don't actually talk about how hard it is to have an open home. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because they don't want to be judged or because they don't want to bother anybody mm-hmm. with their stuff, but it's just something that people don't really talk about. Mm-hmm. People don't know what to expect, and they're like like you say, everything blows in their face when they're faced with having this new baby at home and being left alone. We don't have. Like, you know, like the book talks about the 40 days in other cultures. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have that here. We don't have the, the mm-hmm. village support. Mm-hmm. Everybody's so busy all the time. And then you feel mm-hmm. so lonely and so, like, left to the side to deal with it on your own. That's so sad. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm loving postpartum work, and I'm glad we get to do this for the mothers. So I think this book came, like, on a perfect time for me. Yeah. 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 That's great to hear. Um, I think those are really great, important points. This is Maggie. Um, I have a question. I was a little surprised. I mean, I I think this might be because it's dated, um, but I would love to know if people who are working, like like Gina and Heidi and Wendy, um, right now with moms, Mm-hmm. Is there more support for postpartum depression? I mean, I feel like the book was, it, it just seemed like really bleak, like, you know, no doctors really were yeah. kind of going for that as like an option. It wasn't even at that time like a real diagnosis. And mm-hmm. um, I guess what what has your experience been with that? It seems, I mean, I feel like it's something that people know the term, even if they're not in the birth world. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm sure that it's improved in that sense, but um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess just any thoughts that you have about that. Um, I guess for me, uh, I'm Wendy, that I find a lot of talking, like emotional talking for, you know, for her to kind of like let out whatever she's feeling, she's thinking, she's going through is very therapeutic for her and I'm just like you know I'm listening to her accepting her not being judgmental and just you know giving her my listening ear and be sympathetic and helping her out even the littlest things what you know for example um if I see her like if she's talking to me and She's rubbing on her feet because she's been on her feet of running around the whole apartment with a newborn the whole day, and she looks really tired. Then I ask her, I was like, hey, can I rub your feet for a little bit? And she's like, oh, well, thank you, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, never, no one has ever done that for me before. And I just have her continue talking to me as I'm rubbing her feet, and I just think those little, little things really helps out, you know, decreasing the postpartum depression. You know, just kind of lay the load off and have someone 
who really cares about her, who really listens to her, be sympathetic, you know. Uh-huh. I mean, that, yeah. I do. I would love to hear other people's, you know, <laughs> what's their way of how they're able to treat, uh, not treat, but, like, help kind of, like, decrease postpartum depression in other moms. Mm-hmm. Right. I, this is Heidi here. I, for me, um, I recently encountered a case of postpartum depression um, on a client. And it was, you know, I usually include in my prenatal some information about postpartum depression because um, when I recently, when, when I just started doing doula work last year, I had a doula friend tell me that she had this client with postpartum depression that got really offended when she gave her information about postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like it was just important to include it in the prenatal and just go over like the symptoms and and not just to the mother, but to the partner as well, so that they're on the lookout for these things. And then I take that out during my postpartum visit. And as I'm going through breastfeeding and all the other things, I take that out and I go over it just to make sure, you know, just in case if they haven't realized that they're going through it, kind of to do it in a way that it's not offensive, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, because it might not be, it might not be offensive for everybody, but then some people are very sensitive, and then on top of that, they're suffering from, you know, probable um, postpartum depression. So I don't want to add to it. So that's what I do. And then there's a lot of resources. Um, we have the Seleni Institute. We have um, a couple of people that specialize in different stages and different types of postpartum depression, whether it's associated with birth trauma or other things. Um, I'll be happy to post that on the group, like all those resources mm-hmm. for you guys. That's great. Yeah. And then actually, yeah. um, oh, sorry. This is Maggie. I don't know if I shared this with you all in the training, but I'm um, a social worker also, so I have to get continuing yeah. education units. Um, <laughs> and so I'm going to also a postpartum, um, or I guess I'm not going, it's a webinar, so I'll be <laughs> here. Um, mm-hmm. But also I'm happy to like share any resources with it. But awesome. keeping in mind that that's coming up, I was like, wow, like I really hope it's, we're in a better spot with that and recognizing it now. Mm-hmm. Because... Yikes. Yeah, I, I would say, I would say we, we are. We have, um, I feel like we have a long way to go in terms of this stuff, but it's definitely, we, it's gotten a lot deeper and wider since this book was written. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's mainly storytelling that has what like that has brought it to light more. Like people, especially celebrities, um, like Brooke Shields, I think was one of the mm-hmm. first people to come out and talk about it. She's written a book now. I think it's called Down Came the Rain. Um, oh yeah, that book is great. Yeah, I've heard good things about it, and um, I think that it's like people having a voice and like giving it a name has brought. <laughs> more attention to it. Um, I think, though, that the missing piece is uh, for, like, exactly what this book is saying and what we say as doulas is talking about the whole thing as one big adjustment. And we've gotten to this place now where we, it's like you're either normal and awesome and fine and Pinterest mama or you have postpartum depression. And there's, like, that in-between phase is that, right. that, that is what's missing. 
And I think that's what needs to be given the name. And Susie, you were talking about that piece in the book, which is really helpful. And just like honoring the fact that like you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. And mm-hmm. you're going to feel like a mess. <laughs> and then the right. next day you're going to feel like you're going to slap on some high heels and some lipstick and you're going to be awesome. So <laughs> it's really, I think, just giving all of it one big just giving it all recognition and one big name is really helpful. And then talking about um, warning signs and other things that if you feel like a client is going in the direction of postpartum depression. So that's where I feel like it's gotten deeper and wider is that like it's there, but people are so afraid that if they have like a bad day where they're really weepy and they don't have their shit together, that they're all of a sudden suffering from postpartum depression when maybe it just might be the, just the normal adjustment of parenthood. So, just like the boo was saying, um, the postpartum exhaustion, like if you don't sleep, mm-hmm. you're exhausted, and, and that's different. Yeah. And then the solution is just to rest, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's we're there, but we have, we're not where we want to be. I don't, you know, it's in, I think as humans, we're constantly evolving, and the support and the ideas and like around things, like we are evolving constantly. And this is where social media is a great thing. You know, like if you're a mom having suffering postpartum depression and you read this blog from another mama who did go through it and is on the other side of it, that can be really inspiring and awesome. And it has definitely brought, like, you know, has brought more awareness to bigger things. This is Janine. Um, I remember on the series um, House of Cards, there Mm -hmm. was one episode where there was um, a mom that was definitely, you know, I don't know if she's going through depression or just having a bad day, but it was a good example of that. And um, the the woman she was talking to, all she did was just listen. Mm -hmm. She just sat there and just listened. And the woman just went on talking about how she, you know, thinks about possibly putting the pillow over her child's face, you know, when the baby's mm. crying. And all she does yeah. is listen and not judge. And the woman was like, I'm not going to really do it, you know. And she's like, I know. You just, you know, it's okay. And I was just mm-hmm. like, how she handled it was just perfect. I'm like, yeah. I took note of that. <laughs> she handled mm-hmm. it perfectly. And then at the end, the mother just felt great. Like, oh, you think you're listening to me, you know, so. Yeah, I don't know what episode it was. It was season four sometime, but it was just a nice little example of how to handle that type of situation. Absolutely. And I love that you bring that up because um, I think listening is one of the biggest jobs of a postpartum doula. I mean, as a doula in general, but like I can't tell you how many times I've sat on someone's couch and just listened to them the whole visit. And, you know, I usually, as when I walk into a postpartum visit, you know, I greet them and then I um, ask how the nights have been going and how they've been going and we talk about the priorities of the day. And then sometimes we make a list of what needs to be done and we don't leave the couch because we've been talking the whole time. And I make sure it's constructive conversation. It's not just us, like, shooting the shit. It's just really, like, I'm, like, listening to her and helping her through things. But I feel like it's kind of a forgotten piece about postpartum work. Like we feel like we need to do, do, do as doulas. And it's kind of like, you know, how we talk about in labor, you feel like you need to be doing 
but holding the space is just as powerful. It's the same thing in the postpartum world as just being that person to, to hear them, to validate for them and normalize the experience. Definitely. This is this is Susie. I just um, I had a little bit of a freak out after <laughs> after our training. I felt so confident and great, and then I was watching my friend's baby, who is just normally wonderful and smiley and easy, and she's just inconsolable. And I I couldn't help her. She just cried and cried and cried for mm-hmm. hours, and I thought like I can't be a postpartum doula. I can't help this baby. Okay. And I thought I'm alone with her now. But what if the mom is there watching and, and saying like, "Isn't this your field?" <laughs> mm. And I talked to Becky about it a little bit, and she said, "Well, your job is is just to show them that like that's totally normal, and then it's just try to model to be calm." in that situation mm-hmm. and yeah but, uh, we don't have to be baby whispers we're we're yeah. that's not <laughs> that's not our job and i think exactly what becky said modeling that behavior and how when you hold a crying baby <laughs> remaining calm is probably the easiest tool that you have instead of mm-hmm. getting your energy level up where the baby is that's usually what the parent does that's not going to be really helpful yeah What else, guys? We have about 10 minutes left. Any questions? It doesn't need to be about the book. I'm curious what your experiences have been with mothers, like the second, third, fourth time. Um, how does it change, like, how you approach them? Do you find that there's more practical needs? Does it change, like, how you prepare them or um, work with them in, like, like prenatally preparing for postpartum work or any of that? Yeah, I, I would definitely say there's a shift in focus. Um, there's a lot of this is such a strong word, but it's it's there. There's a lot of grief, um, I think, when preparing for the second, third, fourth baby, and it's mainly just because their 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 whole family is shifting into something new. I would say this is more common in the second time parent, um, where they're really kind of mourning that time with their oldest, um, mm-hmm. and how they they're not going to just be the little threesome, and. So there's a lot of focus about how to structure out time with the other kids. And so there's, it's, it's more logistical, I would say. It's more pragmatic in that, like, okay, like, these are the times of days that I want to focus on being with the older child. So I think as a doula, my main role with working with moms who are having second, third, fourth babies is um, being with the newborn so she mm-hmm. can be with the older children. And... Um, more of like they know what they need help in. They, it's more about they know what they hate doing. <laughs> so mm-hmm. maybe it's like preparing dinner or laundry or maybe like the newborn while she goes and do like she has to go do school pickup. You know, it just really depends on what the needs are. 
but it's definitely more scheduled and structured. Um, if that's, but I'm talking more about specifically daytime. Of course, if it's an overnight, it would be uh, the same goals approach as like, you know, it's, everyone wants more sleep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's definitely more of like, they know what they want and need. Yeah. So it's, that's where it's different. It's definitely more scheduled. Okay. This is Maggie. I was um, one thing that was su- surprising to me was this concept of mommy wars, and I mean, I definitely understand that it. I, I mean, I know, like, if I were to become a mother, I know that like the idea of figuring out how to do career and when to go back to it or not to go back to it or whatever um, would be challenging. But mm-hmm. I mean, is it is it like vicious out there? Is there this idea of like I don't know? This was like. It, I like was going along, and then I got to this part, and I was like, "There is, there's mommy wars. Like, I don't know what that is. I've never heard of it. Um, is that is that a thing? Unfortunately, it's a thing. <laughs> huh. But it kind of uh, depends on what kind of profession you find yourself in. I can certainly say that as a as a ESL teacher, there are no mommy wars. <laughs> like, <laughs> and probably as a social worker, I don't think you'll find mommy wars. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not, but like, <laughs> I think it's just funny because I find myself in a bubble a lot about mm-hmm. what I think the rest of the world is like, and then I hear conversations on the elevator from other floors in my building, and I, I realize mm. that, oh my God, the world is so vastly different, and it just depends on the floor you work on. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it really depends. I think there's yeah. one wars more on like people judging moms about stay-at-home moms and people that choose a career. So I Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would say there's definitely a lot of judgment in between those two things. I think there's a lot of talk about mommy wars, but in my experience maybe I also live in a bubble, it's more real, like, in the media than it is in, like, real life. But Mm -hmm. to me, like, the real struggle, the real war is on families in general and mothers in general and, like, Mm -hmm. corporate culture not being supportive of mothers and, like, mothers having to pretend that they don't even have a family at home. Um, Like, that's where I experience the real tension. Mm -hmm. Mommy yeah. wars just seems like something that the media likes to talk about and like propagate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I think we've come a long way with some solidarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, and again, this is where social media has kind of helped with that, but I also, I feel like it's always existed and even more so now um, we're coming back around to that and just, being really open-minded and noticing that there are so many different families out there. I think that's really helped kind of break down that stigma of mama wars. It does, I, I do see it though in very little um, small ways where, you know, like he, I'm trying to think of an example and I should really be able to think of this pretty quickly. Um, like I, here's a great example. I was on the playground at my daughter's school and I heard one of the other, like a couple moms talking about 
this other mom who always looks disheveled, just like kind of a mess. <laughs> like she just, it's not like she just is not one to dress up or like she just, you know, she's busy and I'm she not so <laughs> and I have no judgment. I have gone to my daughter's school in my pajamas before. So it's like, but I just, I was standing there and they were being, they were trying to be so like sweet and non-judgmental in their conversation about it. But it really was them like judging and noticing and pointing it out. And like, I wonder what that's about and wanting to know more. And it's just, it's like little snippets like that that you hear and that you're like, who cares? <laughs> it's, it's, it's the exterior that we're seeing, and that's what we see on fa- like Facebook and Instagram. We're like, they look so happy. It looks like everything's amazing. I guarantee if you look, walk into that mom's house, it's a mess. You know, it's like, so it's really what's on the outside, I think, that we everyone sees, and that's where the mama wars come into play. But deep down, I think we're all on the same page. <laughs> like, it just doesn't exist. There was that video. Do you guys remember that video? I think it was like a formula or a diaper company that put it out. And it was like the moms on the playground. And it was all very stereotypical, different types. Yeah, it was like (laughs) a good example of what we're talking about. (laughs) I I really haven't experienced any of that. Or maybe I'm just completely naive and like not... (laughs) No, that's great. Right. That means I'm that you, no, you're I'm in like that a, talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you're in a really good good circle. Then you know it's like yeah. I feel, and there are some people who just don't care. That's the other thing. Mhm. Like we were in Disney World this past weekend, and I got super snappy with my daughter um, just because it was all very crazy, and we were all very hungry and tired. And there's just a bazillion people around you, and I kind of snapped, and she snapped, and we're snapping at each other. And my husband is very quiet. It's like, I think people can hear you guys. And I was like, I don't care. I don't care. Like, I'm sure there's a million mothers all over this park snapping at their children. And it's like, there are some people who just don't care. So, it's, you know, it's just, I always am like, I always ask that question. I wonder what their day has been like. I wonder, like, what they've been going through today, especially if I see somebody having a hard time in the grocery store with their baby. Like, I wonder what's been going on for them. Mm-hmm. And that's another question that I always ask my postpartum clients and, and friends and everybody in my life, but mainly my postpartum clients is, um, what do you need right now? And it's so powerful. It's like a simple, simple question. Uh, and it stops people in their tracks, and they're like, oh, what do I need right now? And it forces them to go inward. So mm-hmm. it's something that I always um, I always ask people, especially if they're telling me that they're having a hard time that day, and you want to know what they're feeling. Yeah, I think everybody would be happy to have that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else, guys? Anything else? We're at, we're at the hour right now. I just have a really general comment, not about the book, but just about 
how much harder it is to get started than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. That's really and awesome. It, are you talking specifically about clients? Yeah, and just like feeling prepared. I feel like I need to take so many workshops and read all the books before I start. I'm just so scared to like throw myself out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is that? Thank you. Yeah. Why? Um, I don't know. I guess part of me still cannot believe that like people make money doing this, and I want to feel totally <laughs> justified in charging. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's. Okay. I think that's um, it's definitely a very common challenge that most new jewelers have leaving the training, especially because I feel like we fill you guys up with this information, and you feel like you have to remember it and know how to practice it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would really like to encourage you guys is to think and remember that experience is going to be your best lesson, mm-hmm. and you're not really going to know until you're out there. And there are a lot of people who know and trust, um, know the value, I should say, and trust the value of new doulas and how passionate and dedicated they are. Uh, And so I want to, like, you know, invite you guys to kind of break down that barrier that you don't need to know everything. You don't have to read every book. If If you put that on your list, you would have to read hundreds of books about this stuff. <laughs> we give you guys like a drop of what's out there in our mm-hmm. in our curriculum and like you know on our book list. Mm-hmm. And you're not you're not going to be able to be 100% prepared and and if it shows you anything I've been in this work for 11 years and I feel like I learn every single day. And I apply new things to my practice and I take things out and then I try some new things and then I take it out. And it's just how it is. It's just mm-hmm. this work, the, the needs and the wants of people change. Your clientele changes. You might move to a different location. And you just have to kind of roll with the punches. So I think throwing yourself in it might be the best thing that you can do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Standing back and waiting till you feel good and feel prepared might hold you back even more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally and, agree. Um, I got thrown into a birth. I was oh, back yeah. doula, and um, I was like, I had no time to be nervous. I was like, pack your bag. You're going to the hospital. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Becky called me. She's like, you want to go to your first birth? I'm like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, pack your bag. You're going. And like, I walked in there, and I was like, okay, this is it, you know. And my energy completely changed and once I like did it I was like this is amazing like it was such a high that you're I like I want that high again I was like it's almost like a drug it is (laughs) but it was was like I just didn't have time to panic and it was just it was amazing and um, I totally agree once you do it you're like I can do this I have this you get the confidence your confidence builds up like you get a number amount of births into your system and then like yeah you could be a pro at this yeah I think once you get into that birth situation it's like you have no choice you can't sit there in the corner and be like I can't do this I can't do this (laughs) you gotta dive in there and um, I think it's like you just it's kind of like it's kind of like jumping into a lake of freezing water you know it's going to be a jolt and it's going to be hard, but once you do it, you're going to be like, oh, I did it. It's awesome. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I volunteered for my first few births. At, um, I was telling you guys I did it at the hospital in New York, um, Bellevue. And mm-hmm. I was, I'm grateful I did that because they were just like, you have to go into room seven and doula her. And I was like, huh, <laughs> okay. And then I did. And I just, I got really comfortable just kind of being the person in the room with those responsibilities. And I felt more confident taking on private clients at that point. So mm-hmm. there's different ways to go about it. And for any of you guys, I, you know, if a few of you kind of popped up saying you felt the same way, like, let's schedule a mentor call and break it down and see what would be good options for you individually mm-hmm. and how you can feel more comfortable with that. Hi. You know, yeah, I, I just wanted to say something. It's like um, with the whole, like, the beginning, I think it's more so that they're, like, afraid of failure. So it's more mm-hmm. like you don't, want, you don't want to take clients and have them charge us and they feel like we're not giving them, like, our full potential or, like, being, like, as supportive mm-hmm. as other doulas may be. Well, I, at least mm-hmm. for me, but then I try, like, to be more positive and, like, you know, like, reinforce myself, like, Think about it as it's like you're working at a new job. Like you don't know everything, but as you go on, you learn stuff and do better. Yeah, yeah I think that's a, that's a great that's a great point to bring up. Um, I think that's a really good analogy. Like when you start your job at, say, you're working at the Gap, um, you know, it's, they're still paying you even though you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> you're right. still learning <laughs> the store. You're still learning how to fold the clothes. They're still paying you. The other right. side to that, though, is you guys have the complete power and autonomy to make this what you want it to be. So if you feel insecure and not confident about walking in and charging $600 because, you know, you're new and you're like, I, you're feeling really nervous, drop it down a little bit to somewhere where you do feel comfortable and confident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, we always encourage you guys to shoot high and value yourselves and if you you know if you want to make this a business you have to like you know know your worth and I think you guys are all worth a lot of money however if you walk in like nervous about asking for that it's going to come across to them and you're not going to feel 100% confident so mm-hmm. do what feels good to you I think Shoshana said that actually in the Q&A she was like, yeah. the doula panel that we had, she was like, you all should be walking out of here and charge $800. <laughs> and I love it. I totally agree with her. But only if you feel confident in that number. If you don't, you need to find the number you are comfortable with. Yeah. I think kind of on the I was going to say, on the on the other side of things, I feel kind of hung up on some of the business aspects. Like, I feel like I have to get all these ducks in a row with, like, logistics and a business name and a website and all these different things in order to, like, network and market myself. Yeah. Do you have any, like, tips for that? <laughs> I mean, I think it just depends on how you work as a doula and as a person. Um, I have it now that I've mentored hundreds of hundreds of doulas, I've seen people go about it in different ways. Like I have one doula right now who is in Houston and she has like the bees knees of a packet, the website, like she's an LLC, 
Like she walked out doing all this because she knew she would not feel confident and comfortable sitting at an interview with somebody unless she had this stuff. And other people are like, no, I need to go take a breastfeeding workshop or like I need to go do like audit the childbirth ed class. You know, like they go about it in a different way. I have doulas who are uber successful who still don't have websites. <laughs> so mm. it's like I I don't I know we we stress that stuff and we really encourage it, but it's not necessary. A website's not going to get you clients, and it's definitely not going to make you. Um, you know, it's it's not going to make everybody feel confident. It might make right. people feel confident. So. I think it just depends on what you need to feel good in your body and, and, and as a professional person. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think like I, that. I'm, I'm, like, I'm a more visual person. Like I need to put things on paper in order to feel prepared. I'm not yeah. one who can just wing it. So I lean on the whole visual website folder paper thing. But that's just me. Yeah, I kind of lean that way too and like, you know, classes and other things like to make make sure I feel prepared and different things I'm, that I feel are important to my practice as I mm-hmm. start to get clients but then I'm like well I don't want to spend so much time on these aspects that I don't actually get clients and I don't actually start working mm-hmm. um, so I've been trying to balance that I don't know <laughs> yeah and I think that making a timeline is really really helpful um, okay. I, I do feel like that like um, for the month of January, what are you going to do? And then break it down. Like this month I'm going to read this book. This month I'm going to go to this class. And this month I'm going to go on three interviews. And those are your mm-hmm. goals. Okay. And that has really helped a lot of people. Yeah, that sounds smart. It's a good idea. <laughs> Especially when I have um, people in our circle who get pregnant. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I feel like with every training, there's somebody who gets pregnant, and that is the one thing that saves them. <laughs> so, <laughs> not it, guys. <laughs> All of you are gonna go take a pregnancy test now. I'm kidding. Mommy. <laughs> uh, <Not> <laughs> yeah, not me. Hey, uh, when are you like not taking calls anymore? Um. That's a good question. <laughs> my, I'm due in March, so I'm going to start phasing myself out probably in February. Okay. And I will, I will definitely, you guys will be the first to know when I, you guys are going to make that shift over to Becky mm-hmm. um, for mentoring and stuff. But um, for now, I want to say by like beginning mid-February, I'm probably going to start phasing myself out a little bit. Okay, so you're doing a so, call with us. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, unless for some reason I'm not able to. I I have um, total 100% intentions of being there. Okay. So I will be on the next call with you guys. And um, I've talked to a couple, of you, a couple of you on mentor calls. And um, yeah, like mm-hmm. definitely use that link that's on Facebook on our little group um, to schedule it with me. I unpinned it from the top so you guys have the call information, but if you need it again, just um, I can post it again if you guys can't find it. Please, because I need to reschedule my call with you. I have yet to do that. 
That's okay, yeah. Okay, I'm going to do it now. But um, what else before we hang up, guys? Before we hang up what? No, I was just wondering if there's anything else before we hang up. I would like to share one of my doula anxiety dreams. Because <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> I had a dream that I was um, trolling for clients on the labor and delivery floor. Like, <laughs> 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 anybody need a doula? doula? Oh, my God. Going from room to room. And I saw this woman squatting on the floor, and I was like, you look like you need a doula. And she was like, yeah, sure, I'll take a doula. <laughs> she brought me back to her room, and um, I was like, do you want a massage? And she's like, no, no, I'm good, thanks. And she said to me, the baby's coming now, I'm about to push. And I was like, oh, my God, can I do anything? She's like, no, 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 I'm cool. And so she pushed her baby that out, and it was really wrapping. funny. <laughs> It was wrapped That's... in saran wrap, and I had to, like, unwrap the baby from the saran wrap. <laughs> oh, my God, the dreams. It was so crazy. Funny. And then when it came out, it was, like, this weird Barbie skeleton. Oh, and oh I didn't, my God. I didn't know if I should congratulate her, and I was like, <laughs> and it's really important. <laughs> I was like, you should really put your baby on your chest. Dream. She was like, no, thanks. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, my gosh. Were you kind of Barbies that day? We oh should start God. a book about, like, the doula anxiety dreams and just, like, start journaling about this stuff because it's pretty hilarious. They're so real. I had to do anxiety dreams about, like, when I was going to get the call and, like, every night I was dreaming that, I got the call, but I didn't. Yeah. That was me with my first client. Yes. Totally. Did I tell you guys that I spent the New Year's in the hospital? No. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. It was hilarious. I had to walk through the ball on Times Square because the cab driver couldn't make the turn. And so I had to beg the police officers to let me through at 10.30 p.m. where everybody was getting ready for the ball to drop. (laughs) Oh, my God. Then I got to Mount Sinai, and I was there for, like, 36 hours until the 2nd of January. <laughs> oh, my, oh my God. Yeah, there was a point that I actually got to leave for a few hours to, like, kind of, like, ram myself, but it was the longest labor ever. That was mm. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they were there for, like, over 40 hours. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's all good stuff. Keep sharing the stuff in the Facebook groups, guys. I love I love hearing it. Um, awesome. Hey, guys, well, sorry, but I really have to go. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say we need to honor everyone's time, and let's I, hang up now. But it was so good hearing everybody. Totally. I would love to hear more stories, but, yeah. <laughs> totally but um, how do we schedule the next call, or how does that happen? You guys are just going to use this number and PIN to call in every month for our teleclasses. Um, there are but we, we don't we are... don't choose a date. No, no we no, picked it's... the first day of training. Remember, we wrote it down. Oh, in the... okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So our next one here, um, and you uh, you can go. Oh, you can right. Go if okay, you need I to. remember. Yes, we already have yeah, one. Okay. Um, February ten. February ten. Good night, ladies. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank Good night. you. Okay.
Bye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.